Hey, you're listening to the Following Faith Podcast. And joined with me, Dan Jacobson, is Scott Irwin. Hello. Kristen Jacobson. What's up? And Daniel Asher. Hey, guys. We're so glad that you're tuned in for the second ever episode. But it feels like, you know, we've all been pros at this podcast thing now for like the last six weeks. So, well, two weeks and then a four-week hiatus. So we're back at it. Semi-pro? Professional amateur? We're at least a double A at this point. Double A. We're out of single A ball. (laughs) But guys, of note, this is the first time we've ever actually stared each other in the face in the same room and recorded a podcast episode. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's a little strange. I feel like I I need to put on an NPR voice. There's no (laughs) lag. (laughs) Like I look at Kristen and she's talking and the words match up. Wow, look at that. Crazy. You would have like some brain problem if you had the lag. Is that a thing that even possibly could happen? I'm sure somewhere. I'm just used to Kristen looking uh, disinterested and uh, like puzzling. While we're talking on yes, but not not in a puzzle. She doesn't look puzzled. She is actually puzzling. <laughs> okay, all yes. right, puzzling. So maybe one time. How I many was puzzles did you do puzzle. during through through? I a... did nine. Wait, nine hold on. Pieces. Yeah, there we go. That's right. I was gonna say not how many puzzles did you? How many pieces did you assemble? Yes. Yes. Is a better 9, question. Yes. Nine thousand. How many did you complete? You completed nine. 9,000 piece puzzles and then several like 500 or 700. We don't count those though. That's like, that's like, that's, that's amateur. That's, that's amateur. amateur. That's single A. <laughs> that's single A. We're, we're in double A here. Right. Right. I am a professional bust. puzzler. Right. I would, I would say I've gotten to that level. Well, it's good to know that COVID. it's good to know that in our podcast, we may have changed the name, but we haven't changed the uh, insignificant banner. <laughs> yes. A uh, banter that happens <laughs> at the, the beginning. Repartee <laughs> That's is right. Still here. Yes. So you're welcome listeners, all of you, wherever you are. Hey, we've got a couple things coming up in the life of the campus. That's super fun. One thing that just happened. We are recording this on Tuesday in the middle of July. And we just did a outdoor service at Festival Park yeah. in Hobart. And y'all, it poured. It poured <laughs> like I've never seen it pour on poor people trying to set up sound gear. Yeah. D- Daniel, can we just talk about the mess that was Sunday morning for a second? Because at one point I had to duck into your car to send out an email to our campus. And so I was out of the rain <laughs> and the whole team was like putting stuff away. And then you got in your car and you just sat there like, like you had been beat up in nine rounds of boxing. Yeah, it was uh, it was an experience to say the least. I think uh, we gambled and lost. Yep. Um, we don't you know, condone gambling. We don't condone gambling, but That's a good catch. Uh, you know, high risk, high reward. Uh, we risked it high, and um, we had the reward at night. Um, but yeah, it was it was a little crazy. We we just didn't know. You know, with the uh, the Hudsonger's wedding a couple weeks ago, we realized that sometimes you can you can gamble and win. I. Shouldn't use gambling anymore. No, as a, you shouldn't. No, analogy. but let's just be let's be honest. The percentage of rain in the forecast for their their wedding that you're referring to was ninety percent that and, day, and no rain at all. So it we did went not in, rain. So we went into that Sunday like feeling really God, good with fifty percent chance, right? Uh, and then it <laughs> and was, and then we all woke up. And and like, we all woke oh. up and oh no! So we were we were fully set up. Um, that at morning, like six thirty. At like right? six thirty a.m. and uh, fully set up. Shout out to Chris Seagard for being. Literally a Clydesdale workhorse. The yes, man. Um, the man. <laughs> so I I was watching the weather from my house, knowing that you guys are setting up, and you know, so grateful for the work that your, the team was doing, and decided like I just got to go drive over there and see you guys. And so I, I showed up, and you guys were like in it. You were you're like weather. Who cares? We're doing this right now. And <laughs> I remember looking at you, Daniel, you and I talking, and, and being like, well, we we'll probably just need to cancel. 
And then I just want to tell this story because it's, it just makes me so happy, the type of people that we have. We asked, uh, you know, we said, hey, guys, we're going to cancel. And it was Chris, the guy who was in charge of setting up all of our gear. He goes, well, why don't we do it tonight? Love it. It was his idea That's to do an, an evening service. Like, I wasn't even thinking that direction. I was just thinking, like, oh, we'll just have, have to do this next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I remember, like, looking, Daniel, at you and, and looking back at each other and being like, oh, no. well, why, why wouldn't we? And uh, there was one guy on our team who had a job. He had to kind of like work around. But I just love the fact that we have people in our church who just desire to use their gifts, use the resources they have to help the church community gather together. And man, was I refreshed being around, you know, I think there was just shy of 300 people in the park. I heard like 270, 280 were the amount of people that came out. Um, and uh, so I just loved seeing our people again. I great. missed so many yes. people. Uh it was a big difference from when we did our outdoor service here because mm -hmm. uh, when we had people, some people were in cars, you know, we wrapped around the building a little bit so you could never see everyone <laughs> yeah. who was there. Yeah. So when I, when we got there, we walked up over that little hill and we came a little late because I have three children and it was so rough. <laughs> um, but to just see everyone gathered, it was the first time it felt like church again. And my, I was amazed at how much my soul needed that that community and just to be around everybody again yeah um it was in it was a huge, it was good yeah, it, was it was really, really good really cool which is why we are moving to outdoor services right yeah so that was the the fun announcement that we couldn't make in the morning it was made over the live stream and i think a lot of people heard that but um the the last thing that we left everybody with at the outdoor service was hey we get to do this yeah indefinitely hey, maybe yeah. not at festival park although that would be awesome mayor brian if you're listening could you make Please. that happen for us because we loved being in hobart um but we uh we're i mean right now as we speak our our facility team is setting up a stage for us in the west lawn of our campus um you know we could probably talk about like lake county having a mask mandate in effect right now and as we speak porter county does not we're watching that. I'm sure by the time we post this, things will change too. <laughs> but uh, at least it gives us a chance to still hold outdoor services. And mm -hmm. yeah. if you're listening, you go to the Crown Point campus. I mean, we're not too far from uh, from the Porter County, Lake County line. Come on out to Porter County, I guess. No I don't know. Is that a bad thing yeah. to do? Is that is that sheep stealing there if you're trying to help people go to church? Nah. I don't same know. church, though. I, is there such a thing as steep, sheep church. stealing in COVID world? I don't and think there is. not when you're the same church. That's right. That's yeah. right. One body. Yeah. But we're looking forward to it. And so yeah. uh, Carrie Corbin has uh, heroically, I mean, I wish there was a way for us to like give applause on a podcast. Uh, is it snaps? Do we put in a effect afterwards <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for her and just the, the many people who she's contacted who have already responded saying like, yeah, I would help with an outdoor service. Because yeah. um, everything we see outdoors is a little bit more safer than indoors mm -hmm. as far as spreading, mm -hmm. spreading uh, the, the thing. So- 10.15. Now, Dan, that's different than we normally meet. Don't yeah. we normally meet at 10.45? <laughs> that's right, Kristen. <laughs> Actually, we used to meet at 9 o'clock and 10.45, but we're just meeting at 10.15. And there's one really good reason for why we moved it forward. I take that back. There's possibly one and a half really good reasons for why we moved it forward. The half reason is because it tends to be a little cooler at 10.15 than it is at 10.45. And we're in the middle of summer, so we just want to keep it a little bit more comfortable for people. But uh, the second reason is that um, if we do a service at 10.45 and we go for an hour, 
that means we're getting out at 1145 and people are hungry. <laughs> if we go at 1015 and we go for an hour, we're getting out at 1115 and people are less hungry, <laughs> supposedly. Uh, and so we'd love to just create an environment where people can hang out afterwards and, and fellowship and be encouraged mm-hmm. with one another mm-hmm. and by one another. So we're going to go uh, a little earlier, 1015. That means you need to leave your house at like nine o'clock. I'm just planting that seed for everybody who's like, what? what? I can't, when do I, I normally yeah, yeah. leave my house at 1015. Just leave super early, come hang out. And uh, we'll have really simple services to start, but we will have kids ministry, which will be a great chance for kids to be able to see yes. one another and hear a, a Bible story that's aimed at their uh, their level and to see their friends and have mm-hmm. fun that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the future, we're going to really build out some some great things I know. Um, I'm even wondering if we can go live with one of my crazy ideas right now. And all of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm about to say. Oh, I'm so excited. But I, here's what I want to do. You know how like we kind of live in the middle of like farmland? Yeah, yeah. Yes. What I want to do. Yes. No. Oh, dang. No. <laughs> Grab a cow. Grab a cow. <laughs> we could go all Texas on bring this your tractor and do, like, to church. Uh, do, a, do a rodeo. <laughs> no. Yes. Bring your tractor to church. Yes. So, so, so listen, <laughs> listen, how amazing would it be if we could secure a hayride? Because oh, it's yeah. gonna be, oh, yeah. it's gonna be um, like kids are gonna be present for us during the worship portion, and then we'll do like the old school. Like I was raised Excuse in the church, where it was like, kids, yeah. okay, kids, now you can yeah. go to your church. And then there's this awkward moment where all the kids leave, and yeah. the church I grew up in, there was a guy who used to slip me a, a piece of Wrigley's gum on my nice. way past him every nice. Sunday. His name was Rich. I love that guy. I don't know why I tell that story, but it's just my memory of Rich, the kids listening. can leave. The kids can leave now. So we'll have that moment. But how cool would it be if kids yeah, hopped on really a hayride cool. and they were just like, peace, they're we really gone. Cool. And they went out to their, awesome. to their, uh, yeah, they would love it. And so there'd be some adults who are like, I'm going to the hayride. We know people would track. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll walk back. What's so the I, limit I'll on I'll catch the podcast of that sermon. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you have a, if you have both a tractor as well as a large hay trailer uh, we yes. would really benefit for the next possibly five or six months of uh i don't know how far is october is it only like three months away it's like four yeah, three, four, months. Three, four months for the next four months you're not using it right now really are you matter anymore I don't guys think. in october daniel's gonna be married hey True. on the Sorry, podcast throw that oh. out. still <sighs> still time to get married on the podcast are we gonna acknowledge <laughs> the real sad like development for his wedding I'd rather not. Daniel doesn't want to talk about it. Daniel doesn't want to talk about it. How about this? No, Daniel, we, can, we can talk about how it. How about you mute all of our microphones while we talk about the fact that the, the, lake, the Lake County mask rule has the possibility of making your wedding awkward. And I wonder if we can like get the Lake County Attorney General or, or Health Department on the phone. Let's do make that the interview. Get them on the <laughs> yes. podcast and interview them and say, now, how, listen. I have a couple questions. How dare, how yeah, dare you? Yeah, how dare you? Do you know? Who do you think you are? Do you know how much Christina has been looking you? forward to her wedding? Particularly, I imagine Daniel's been looking forward to his wedding, too. But I, will, I, but I will say that because, uh, you know, we, we got the news yesterday and I was feeling... Um, below average. I was feeling really bummed about it. Just you know, the like the logistics of having everybody in in masks mm-hmm. and what that means. Um, and my gorgeous, beautiful bride, uh, was like so so uplifting. Um, and just That's awesome. and just the That's way cool. that she attacked this, which is like, okay, we can look at it one of two ways. Either this like you know really stinks, mm-hmm. and we're just gonna walk with our heads held down, heads held down, with our heads down. Um, or we can realize that, you know, this is going to make our event even safer mm-hmm. and you only get married once. And this is going to be a pretty insane story to tell our kids. Yep. <laughs> um, and totally. we're going to have wedding pictures that are like, 
one in a million. Dancing, <laughs> dancing with masks. Yeah. dancing with masks. Um, do, you, do you think there's a possibility here where we could turn the mask requirement into like a piece of fun? Like, yeah. like come as your, like oh. a masquerade. Masquerade. Or, or, or like come with your, your favorite. Oh, dude, like you gotta do a masquerade. Your, come on, man. That'd be as awesome. your favorite Bible story hero. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not where you were going. That's where really, you know, no, no, I One said, too far. I said that specifically. Well, back to the masquerade um, idea. We did make custom oh, masks. man. Uh, for everybody, so it's gonna say like D and oh, K and D. Nice, nice. Um, with hearts on it. So we're gonna Kevin Durant. That's for Kristen Kevin, and I. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. <laughs> Maybe you can get KD to come to your wedding. Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, he's in the bubble. Oh, he can't. No, but I was, I was honestly, I was worried about how she would, uh, how she would take it because you know it's, it's every little girl's dream to have yeah. like yeah. these moments in yep. a wedding yeah. for the first dance and uh, the ceremony itself and just like having to to pivot. A little bit um, to hmm. um, meet these standards, yeah. um, and to really serve our government well and serve our community and the people who are going to be there, yeah, sure. really yeah. well. And the way that she dealt with that was That's honestly good. surprising to me. Man, for not wanting to talk about it, you just said a lot of really <laughs> mature and wonderful things <laughs> well, to help awesome. us That's process an awesome through it. Thing. It's a testament to your yeah. girl there that yeah. she mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Mat- mature in her faith too. To say that this this is an important day, not because of all of those things, yeah. even if she had them in her mind of how to go. But what's important is honoring the people that are coming, honoring your relationship together, and honoring the Lord. And mm-hmm. so that's going to happen regardless. Yep. You did make a good suggestion, though, that I, I don't think we have to wear them while we're eating. Yeah. So we can just eat the Carry whole M&Ms time. around the whole and time. 12-course <laughs> dinner. If you're coming to the wedding, please bring a small, fun-sized package yes. of M&Ms to give to the bride and groom yes. as a courtesy <laughs> so they don't have to have their masks we'll on. We'll throw rice at you yes. and you can catch it <laughs> in your mouth. open your mouth. <laughs> cooked rice. Oh, yeah. Cooked rice. <laughs> cooked rice. Well, hey, Scott, one of the things yes. we want to do on the podcast is um, have, have these moments where we take a question or a a specific aspect of our faith, right? This is now the Following Faith podcast. And you had this thought that I thought was brilliant. You want to share it with us? Yeah, I'm really excited about this. We've actually been doing this with our high school students for the past few weeks, did it with our small group. Um, There is a resource out there, not 100% sure, I think it's the Gospel Coalition. I know that Tim Keller was involved in it, but it's called... um, Oh, I'm blanking right now. New City. Thank you. Catechism. It's called the New City Catechism. And a catechism is this really interesting thing that has been used for ever since the church has been yeah. developed. Literally right? since the first century. Mm-hmm. And a, ca- a catechism is just, it, it comes from the word teaching. So it's all teaching about theology and doctrine. And it does it in a really interesting way of question and answers. And so I think over the next couple you know, podcast episodes, we're going to walk through some of these questions. Um but this is a really good way for us to engage with different aspects of doctrine that we might not uh, previously engage with. And this is something that anybody can go through and um, not only find foundations of faith, but maybe um, dig into areas of your faith that you really haven't haven't uh, thought of before. So uh, it's got a free app. If you're interested, uh, listeners, if you're interested, you can go on to whatever, wherever you get your apps and just search New City Catechism. And there is an app that comes up with questions, answers, and it's got um, a bunch of different resources as well. So, all right, what's the what's the first one? Let's lay yes. it on us. Question one, and so this is how the whole catechism starts. It uh, begins. It says, "Question one: What is our only hope in life and death?" And usually, how I how I begin this conversation uh, with our high school students with the question, we ask, you know, what do, what do you think about that question? How does that question make you feel, or what's it leading you to? What is our only hope in life and death? And I don't know. What do you guys think about? 
What do you guys think about it? I think one of the, the obvious, well, I love being in the same room with each other because Kristen cannot hide behind like her screen. She's got so many jokes that she's filtering out right now. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things that it makes me initially think of is the paradox between hope and death, mm. right? What is our only hope in life and death? And I think it pushes the Christian to believe that part of our faith is a faith that impacts our life and it impacts our death. Whatever the answer to this yeah. is, it's got a it's got a holistic mm. uh, component to it. So that's the that'd be one of the first things that that um, makes me think of just like the paradox of how uh, there is hope in death. Yeah, I think is yeah. one of the first things. I think what strikes me, my joke was going to be masks, by the way. I was going to say masks are our only <laughs> hope, but that would be a joke. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway, but I think the idea that there is a hope for our life and there is a hope for our death. Mm. And, you know, we can maybe discuss the answer being Christ, but I think of that when I think of what is our hope in death, but I think it's so hard for us to cling to that as our hope in life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, that, that, that's sort of where my mind went was that, no, this is, if, if we're thinking through how Christ offers us hope after this life, mm. How often do we place our hope in things besides him, beside him when mm -hmm. we are living this life? We find hope in, in our safety, our comfort, our security, yep. our money. Those are the things that um, so often we lead toward instead of. And it's easier in, it's in easier. life to hold on to those things right. except, and, right. and, and save my hope in Christ for death, right? right. Because exactly. that's really. That's very easy to say. My yeah. hope in it, for death is, is what Christ has done for me. Yeah. But what about now? How do we make it right now? Living. And I hope that is maybe something on this podcast that we can begin to to think through. How do we make Christ our all in all as a church? We're all about him. Like how in life do we make Jesus the center of that? The uh, Does anybody else have anything well, the, you're thinking through? The verse that comes to my mind for um, why we would think it's Christ is our answer is uh, because Jesus is always the answer, right? Sunday First of all, school. yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that's the one thing I learned in Sunday school. But but the verse is uh, found in in Philippians. Uh, and Paul, it's an autobiographical, emotional verse. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Mm. So you have already in one verse, this, this connection of life and death and Christ being the hope in the midst of that. He's even saying, you know, it's better for me to depart to be with Christ than it is for me to stay. But I know for your sake, this is to the Philippian church, I'll stay um, so that God's work can be done in you. Mm. Um, and so even there, we have this idea that Paul's desire and longing is for that future salvation that he knows only comes because of the fact that he will live with Christ when he dies. Yeah. But it very clearly compels him to stay. And I think that's the thing in that verse. I always cling to like, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's like this death focused thing. But he says, no, for me to live right. is yeah. Christ. Yeah. So, so living today is Christ. And I think this question gets to the heart of how do we do that? Yeah. How do we live as Christ? And I think there's a myriad different ways, right? Like we, we live uh, with, with this Godward focus, mm -hmm. uh, understanding the mission of God. Jesus in his ministry always said that his, his mission was to seek and to save the lost. Even this past Sunday, uh, I kind of inadvertently preached on John chapter one, which is the mission of God to bring grace and truth to the world. Um, mm -hmm. And so whenever we talk about the mission of God living as Christ at Bethel Church, we talk about this, this blend of being full of grace and truth, approaching, I think this is so appropriate for the time and place that we're in right now, 
with yeah. coronavirus and racial inequality and all of these things that are going on. What about schools opening in the fall and how do we navigate all these things? Well, the Christian's compelled by Christ to mm-hmm. always interact with society in a gracious way. So not a punitive, you're going to pay type of way, but in a loving, unmerited, kindness, patient way, but then in a truthful way, in a way that truth being the way that God has designed life to be lived mm. relative to the person of Christ, that in Christ, we see that we are sinful and he is holy. In Christ, we see that we are redeemed because he is risen. Um, all of these things help us understand that the way we approach one another even mm-hmm. is to be Christ to one another. Um, and so I think the question then is like, what does the hope have to do with it? Like, why is it yeah. cast and what is the only hope? Yeah, it could. Yeah, it could. And I think that's the interesting thing about catechisms is how are you wording the question? What are your answers and where are you going for your authority for the answer? And um, New City Catechism runs to scripture. And obviously, in all of this, you really want to um, be a student of scripture yourself and consider these questions on your own. But um, this answer that they give, so what is our only hope in life and death? It's an interesting one. It's not one that I like immediately expected to get. Um, it says that answer to the question that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death to God and to our savior, Jesus Christ. And so really at the end of the day, this the answer to this question, they run to authority yeah. and they run to um, independence, you know, even. Yeah. You know, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the answer? Yeah, that's a, it's a compelling way to, to answer the question. And specifically thinking about the fact that you are not your own mm. and that like so flies in the face of yeah. american ideals that we are autonomous independent yeah. thinking people and you can't tell me how i'm supposed to operate or think or what i'm supposed to do and and truly the the very basics of christianity tell us that that is not true that mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. not our own. You have been bought with a price. You are now actually united with Christ. Mm-hmm. You are not your own. Mm-hmm. And so that frames the way I look at not just the, the life after death, but yeah. my life now as a new authority that governs me. And it's not my own desires that rule me. Rather, it is coming underneath and being united by the Holy Spirit to the person of Jesus Christ and all that the yeah. benefits that come along with that, which are innumerable. And you can find them in Ephesians chapter one. Mm-hmm. But not just that, the fact that I am no longer supposed to be ruled by my own desires. Yeah. It's so important. I like how they give this as the, the first question. Oh, right out the yeah. gate. Right. It is. Right. Yeah. I mean, by far the the hardest thing to do is give up that authority. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's cool how they how they I mean they jump out the gate with like okay uh-huh. that authority is not yours. And right. what does it say about the fact that that you're I think we're hitting on this topic of independence, mm-hmm. and that's a huge deal. But it's independence tied or, or let's put it in the, the the way that the the question leads us to go dependence mm-hmm. our absolute dependence upon God, which all of us would at some level agree with. Uh, the breath in my lungs, my future, my protection. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that is dependent upon God. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is my dependence upon God have to do with my attachment to my hope? Yeah. Mm. And a lot of what Kristen, you're saying is our American hope is our independence. We've been just taught mm-hmm. this 
both manifest destiny and your bootstrap mentality of you, your promise in America is that you can be whatever you want to be. It's mm. your independent virtue. Right. Um, and that extends out in so many different areas. And and we could be really controversial here with like the topics we bring up, or we, you know, we could just leave it to our listener to imagine what some of those might be. But in terms of like, how do you, how dependent or independent do you think you are about your body, what goes in your body, how you mm-hmm. use your body mm-hmm. um, in, in a myriad of different legal ways. And yet uh, the only hope that we have, the first foundational point of our faith is, no, when you came to Christ, you gave up your rights. Yeah. And in giving up your rights, you find life. Mm-hmm. It's such a counterintuitive message for our culture. Something that I think goes along with that too, and this might be maybe jumping to another question that'll come down the road, but in giving up our autonomy, our independence and in being joined to the person of Christ, we not only come underneath what is like this, this union with Christ also means we are united with the body of Christ. Mm. And that is something that also is is opposite of independence. Yeah. You're not just dependent on Christ. You are also a now part a part of, of a community yeah. that you have to think beyond yourself now. It's not just about you. And and you're right that the way that we are taught from an American idealism standpoint is that it's all about you. And that it's hard because you can see how it seeps into the mm-hmm. way we think without even realizing it. And that's why I think it's easy for us to say, yes, I am dependent on the Lord when I think about death. But for us, day-to-day living, it's yeah. so much harder for us to point to the ways that we depend solely on Him and yeah. are considerate of the body. You know, as you guys are talking about this, you're bringing up a, an aspect of the question that I hadn't really thought of. And in my, you know, speaking about it as once we have come to Christ, um, I was thinking about this question as all-encompassing as well for those, even those who have not yet put their faith in Christ and maybe never will put their faith in Christ, that at the end of the day, their only hope in life and death as well Hmm. is that they belong body and soul to God. Hmm. And it's not that my rebellion, um, you know, against Christ as savior, it doesn't mean I'm not owned by God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it is, it's an all encompassing question that anybody who approaches, who begins this catechism finds themselves owned body and soul, both in life and death by God. And that is at the same time, very encouraging and incredibly terrifying. It's confrontational. Like you have to confront both your purpose in life and what you believe Mm. is owed to you or how in control of your life you are. Um, I love the question as a, as a way for us to, uh, to start this conversation because so many people today have their hope. You know, I preached on this on, on Sunday in like a vaccine or a, a remedy mm-hmm. for COVID that once we have a, a, you know, society will come back to normal once we have some medical way to treat coronavirus. And part of my aim on Sunday was just to remind Christians and to confront non-Christians that we do need a remedy, mm-hmm. but we need a remedy for a deeper problem. It's a it's a remedy for our sin, both communal but also personal. Yeah. That in Christ, uh, God was sending His Son. The Word became flesh, lived among us. We've seen Him, proof that He's the only Son from the Father, and He brought this remedy of grace and truth, this mm-hmm. standard mm-hmm. that there is a way that God wants us to live, but there's also forgiveness that allows us to get there. Yeah, and so. Uh, 
Yeah, what a what a great deep question. Some of our listeners probably weren't ready to jump that deep <laughs> from uh, masks at weddings. They're no, probably googling that, going, "Is this really true?" All the way down to uh, uh, the the core question of your soul. But that's what we're doing here on on Following Faith podcast. And um, Scott, thanks for bringing that up. I know yeah. we, we're gonna dig deeper into some of these questions uh, in coming coming weeks. And so I hope listeners, you'll, uh, you'll be, uh, benefiting yourself in thinking through and wrestling through, just like Scott said, you, you got to answer these questions for yourself as well. Well, we've got a guest coming up on our podcast. He's a uh, member of our church and a superintendent of a, uh, local Christian school. His name's Larry Pender. And we're so excited to talk to him. Uh, Larry's been in a tough position as a superintendent of a school yeah. in these days, but he's got a really good plan for the school. And we're going to uh, get a chance to talk that through with him. So, uh, that was Larry right there. <laughs> How about Larry's that? Calling this in. is what happens when we're live. So uh, awesome. Until then, per- perfect timing. Until so then, everybody, we will. Uh, we hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with Larry Pender. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody. <laughs> to delete all that okay well welcome uh back to the podcast and we're joined with one of uh, my good friends someone who welcomed kristen and i to the portage community when we moved here a couple years ago and has been a member of the hp family larry pender larry hey welcome to the show i'm glad to be here we're glad that you're here too these are interesting times that we're living in right now definitely interesting especially for uh, pastors who are opening up churches and school administrators who have difficult decisions to make before them. So we're glad that you could join us uh, here and talk about those things. Larry, maybe uh, some of our listeners don't know um, you know, who you are. Uh, you've been a real uh, valuable member of our community, someone who I've respected and, and even uh, used as a mentor in my life, someone who's spoken uh, truth into my life before. And um, you used to be a pastor, and uh, have spent some time as well in uh, private Christian education as well. So maybe you don't give us the whole backstory, but some of the the high points uh, about your your history. Yeah, after college at Tennessee Temple, uh, we moved to Boston. Took a small church there. We stayed there for eleven years. Built the church up, and then sensed that the Lord was leading us to do something different in our lives. So we moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where we knew there was a good Christian school that we could put our children in. We were homeschooling them up until that point, but sensed that something needed to change. And so uh, a school we could trust was in Tuscaloosa. That's where we moved to. Uh, Became a Rolf Pied fan. Had to. I mean, (laughs) you had no choice. You had to root for Alabama. But how could you not, right? Uh, How could you not? (laughs) So anyways, uh, we were there for uh, 15 years in the Tuscaloosa area. During that time, the Lord led us into administration in a Christian school in Bessemer, Alabama called Flint Hill Christian School. And we were there for seven and a half years, then spent a couple of years in Granville, Ohio, and then came to Portage uh, eight years ago. Eight years, and you've been uh, serving at Portage Christian School, which is a wonderful school, right in our uh, HP neck of the woods, right? We're not too far from here. I think it's, what, like two miles from the campus, if that? 
Yeah, right down the street. Real close. <laughs> right down the street. And um, we are, we've got a lot of families in our church that uh, are uh, educating their kids uh, at Portage Christian School. Many uh, who work there, who teach there, and are grateful for the work that you guys do in uh, reaching this neighborhood. I know the school's had a very positive impact over the decades that it's been around. But this is a, such a, you know, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you is because it's such a weird season that we're in. And, um, you know, churches had to go through this whole um, quandary of what do we do? How do we safely open once uh, the governor allowed us to resume back in May? And I know some churches are choosing different paths and routes. And we just announced here at Bethel that we're going to be doing outdoor services for the foreseeable future. Um, And it seems like every other day the guidance changes and it's just a, a ping pong of information for us to keep track of. Um, the eyes of the country now have kind of shifted from churches and they're on yeah. schools. And so I know you guys have recently announced your plans for reopening, but I'm curious, what were some of the factors as a, uh, administrators that you weighed as you're annou- as thinking through how could you do school in the fall? What were some of the factors that you and the school board thought about? Well, obviously, uh, of course, the number one factor was safety. How could we make this a safe place for staff and students uh, would it be possible to move out of our e-learning environment back into a traditional school setting without endangering people? So right. That was the primary factor, and you know a lot went into uh, making sure we could do that before we said yes. Uh, other factors, would we be able to switch to e-learning at a moment's notice if we did have mm-hmm. a problem? Um, we, we just have to be able to make that switch quickly. And then is this going to wear out our staff <laughs> if we yeah, switch well, back yeah. and forth? Uh, e-learning was no picnic, believe me. Uh, <laughs> and they I can't say that staff really loved e-learning. They didn't. Some of the students did, but not too many parents did. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to just hurt our staff to make that change? Will we be able to have any kind of a normal sports athletic season? Mm-hmm. Right. Are we are we right. taking enough precautions as a school in every area? Those are key questions. All of these questions have tensions to them, right? It's almost like that spring on your garage door that's just wound so tight, and and if it's if it's balanced in the right way, it does its job. But if it's off one way or another, it snaps. And yeah. I I know we as pastors have felt that delicate balance, and I hear even in the the factors that you're weighing and measuring that similar tension of safety and normalcy and uh, mission, right? Doing the work of education in a way that's productive, ways that serves families, man. I I totally uh, sympathize with the really awkward position, but you guys have a great plan. I think you're you're really gonna um, set yourself up well here, and I'd love for you just to share here on air what uh, Portage Christians plan for the fall is, if you if you don't mind giving us some of the high points. Well, it, it definitely has positives and negatives. Um, the, the first thing that we figured out was how many students we could fit in our classrooms and socially distance them from each other. Unlike, you know, a, a public school that's kind of locked in with how many students they get, they don't turn people away. Uh, we get to say how many students we can take as a school. So we are limiting our class size to 15 in elementary classes and preschool and 16 
in uh, middle school and high school, uh, that's got negatives to it. Paying the bills, you know, yeah, we're, we're an enrollment sure. uh, driven school. So we depend on students to pay enrollment in order to meet budget. So we, you know, it's very in, important to us that we fill up every classroom. And we figured that if we do that, we're, we're going to be okay uh, financially. But that's the challenge is filling up the classrooms. Larry, I know that, uh, you know, a lot of students here are, are, are at HP or at Portage Christian, and I've been hearing plans for the fall for them and, and what they're interested about, what they're excited about, what they're hesitant about. Was there any um, part of this plan that really caused you, uh, that kept you up at night? You know, was it the financial aspect for the school? Was it the safety of the students? What, what part of this plan were you most hesitant about or was a difficult call for you? Uh, you know, we depend, like other schools, I guess, we depend on the competence of our parents. We have mm-hmm. such a, a tight relationship with our parents. And if they're not competent, then we we don't function. Uh, we want our parents to believe in us and believe that we can keep their children safe and are doing everything in our power to do so. So I, I guess if anything kept me up at night, uh, it would have been mm-hmm. that, that particular thought. It has been that thought that uh, I sure hope our parents uh, have confidence that we're doing the right thing. That, that's such a, um, an interesting uh, r- response because we talked to, you know, Scott, we, we, me and Daniel talked to Jacob Cohen, who his response was equally concerned about parents, but in a different way, hmm. um, in the sense of, you know, they went all e-learning at Portage High School. Uh, I'm sorry, virtual learning. I need to make sure I say that correctly <laughs> on their behalf. And the concern that he had was parents. A lot of parents don't have the time or the flexibility to, yeah. to be there to help their kids educate from home. And I think that really gets to the heart of what education is, right? It's not just training a child, but it's partnering with a family and having parent involvement as well. And that's one of the things I've really appreciated, um, at least uh, in, in the ways that Portage Christian has, has seemed to care about not just students, but families as well. So Larry, you kind of acknowledge the challenges and of the fall plan, um, some of the limited enrollment, but I got to think that there's some opportunities for oh, there to yeah. be better education as a result of this, right? Because <laughs> I've always heard uh, limiting class size was the cry of people in public education, right. trying hard to get that size smaller. Well, here you are almost in a sense being forced to do that. And do you think that's going to make for a better experience at Portage uh, Christian School? There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the smaller the class size, the more time a teacher can spend with individual students, helping them mm-hmm. get caught up, get uh, holes plugged in their academics, uh, meeting their emotional and even spiritual needs in the classroom. Yeah, I I can imagine the relationships that are going to be built between those those teachers and these students as yeah. really just profoundly. You know, many of us have a teacher in our past who we spent yes. time with who really invested their life in us, and it was formative. I imagine this season's ripe for more of that. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think as a youth pastor, like I'm begging my students to surround themselves with solid adults who are going to lead them in the faith. And I'm I'm excited for those 
the students in my ministry that are at Portage Christian to maybe lean into some of these um, relationships this fall. I think that would be so, so beneficial for them. And how cool that even in the midst of difficulty, there is opportunity not only for educational growth, but for spiritual growth as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's one of the things that separates Christian education in today's context, Larry? Uh, no doubt. You know, with in a public arena, uh, first of all, you're dealing with a, a larger amount of children, but uh, there are some handcuffs that are put on teachers to an extent. I mean, there are some incredibly uh, godly teachers in the public school, no doubt. Mm -hmm. And uh, yet they have to guard what they can say and what they can do in that arena. So, you know, in a, in a Christian setting, a uh, Christian school, uh, unashamedly, uh, we are Christians. It's in the, in the name of our school. Uh, yeah, we it. can say, uh, make sure you bring your Bible to class hmm. or to chapel. We can say, who wants to lead in prayer? Who has a prayer request? We all need to pray for this particular need because it's it's something that is really near and dear to this child's heart and so uh it's definitely a uh, a different kind of school uh because the emphasis is on spiritual living and godly living along with all the academics that you get in, in regular school when i love that balance um right this is a this is a both and question. This is not an either or. It's not either academics. It's not either safety. It's not either spiritual growth. I think at Portage, you guys are, Portage Christian, you guys are really trying to uh, minister and educate the whole student, right? Because it's not just one aspect of this. You know, I'm wondering, Larry, as we're heading into this fall, I, I know there are a lot of nervous parents out there. Um, there are a lot of parents who don't have literally have no idea what they're going to do come fall. Am I going to keep my student home? Am I going to take them to uh, send them to public school? I, I wonder if there's any families um, that come to mind maybe in the past year or two at Portage Christian that saw a lot of success at Portage Christian in in uh, in that kind of environment. Golly, there are tons. Uh, we we have heard from so many of our parents that it was like uh, the solution to all their problems and that type of thing, you know, and some really glowing reports that mm. I can't say in every situation that is the case, but so many, I, and we see God working in their children's lives. And, you know, a PCS can't take credit for everything that God is doing in someone's life for sure, but it's neat to be part of the picture and part of, assisting in a child discovering the Lord's will. Uh, something comes to mind immediately was uh, a graduate a year ago, not this past year, but the year before, went on to Liberty University, and he felt the Lord was leading him to become a pastor. So he went on to Liberty University and came back, oh, about just before, just before the, the uh, shutdown, he came back and preached a message in chapel on how <laughs> to discover God's will for your life. And man, he, he had such a huge impact. Uh, mm. And of course, his parents were there and they were proud as all get out. But uh, mm -hmm. that's just, 
you know, a recent story of how God ha- can move in someone's life, and not just in ministry, but in life, uh, whether it's at a secular job or, or in a Christian ministry. Yeah, thanks so much for taking a moment to walk us through some of the challenges that you've had to navigate as a school board and as Portage Christian School. I think um, you have our utmost um, respect as a as church leaders here at HP. We we kind of know what it's like to put yourself out there in the crosshairs of people and try and provide a safe way for people to engage in life. But for us, it's to worship safely. For you, it's to be educated safely. Mm-hmm. And I know these are complicated issues that not everybody fully comprehends and has their arms around. And maybe we ourselves don't even uh, comprehend every aspect of it and how to do this well. But I know uh, we're going to get through this if we all support one another. And that's what we want to do as a church with our schools, uh, particularly with PCS. So uh, just maybe a question, how can we as a community support you guys? What, what is, there, is there a way that uh, would be beneficial for us to lift you up? Uh, yeah, the uh, obvious way for you to support us at our church, HP, is to pray for us. Um, we believe in the power of prayer. We have uh, several older staff members, and I can say that without getting in trouble because I'm now in my 60s. So <laughs> kind of uh, chum up with them and say, hey, I'm one of you. But uh, we have uh, several staff members that uh, are in that at-risk category, Mm. and they're going to have children that come from various backgrounds, various uh, environments in their classroom. So Mm -hmm. I would ask you to pray especially for our staff that are in the at-risk category, according to the CDC. Uh, Pray for all of us, of course, that uh, one of the worst things that could happen would be that we have somebody that gets COVID and we have to shut down. And mm-hmm. of course, we don't need the negative press at all. So we would like a very successful and healthy uh, school year. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, Larry, we appreciate you uh, being on the podcast. I guess uh, last question would just be if someone's out there listening and they're thinking like, you know, I haven't considered private Christian school um, for, for my kid for this year, but I'm hearing limited classroom sizes and, and whatnot, uh, limiting yourself. I, I'm curious, are you still accepting some students? And if so, how would parents get information about enrolling their students at PCS? We are still accepting a few students. We, many of our classes are already full. What we're looking at is the possibility of splitting some of these classes, hiring another teacher. Uh, but we have to have enough to make it pay for itself. It has to be viable. So yes, we are accepting students. Uh, if they are interested in looking into Portage Christian School, they can go to our website, www.portagechristianschool.org. And right on the home page, there's a button down towards the bottom that has a big pencil. You click on, it says enroll. Uh, and you click on that pencil and it takes you through the process. Everything's online. Uh, you'll be contacted by the school and uh, the rest uh, can be found out that way. We are a Indiana voucher school. Many of our students have their entire tuition paid for through state vouchers, but uh, we would love to talk to anybody and everybody who is interested in possibly putting their child at Portage Christian School. 
Yeah, I think thanks for saying that because I think about private school and my first thought is like, you know, the ritzy, very expensive education. And Indiana has made it uh, wonderfully accessible. And so thanks for for plugging that. I know you guys make it so simple for families to uh, take care of uh, that aspect of it. So Larry, uh, we're so appreciative of you, brother. I know you guys are doing a great work and uh, we're grateful for, uh, to the Lord for you and praying, uh, along those lines of what you laid out for, uh, the school to have a successful year. And who knows, man, I believe firmly that the best is yet to come. And so, uh, I believe that's true about the school as well as our church. So thanks for being on the podcast, brother. We'll see you around. God bless. Well, thanks to Larry for that great conversation about PCS and just wanted to remind you that we're kicking off again, 10, 15 a.m. Our outdoor services on Sundays at the campus. You're more than welcome to join us this coming weekend. In the meantime, make sure you connect with us on our Facebook group. And while you're at it, we've got our podcast page that we would love for you to connect with us. You can follow us on Facebook at Following Faith Pod. And if you found our conversations helpful, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you're listening, as well as subscribing. And I hope our time together today helps you follow Jesus further. 